0: <coughs> Welcome to our weekly Wednesday Shir. Yudnishmas Ruzanbas, Achachana Shusham Purim Cotton. Wow! Sounds exciting, almost. <laughs> But what does it mean to us? Put cotton. What does it mean to us? It's cotton. It's small. And this week's passage, passage, so. Kissisa basically represents begins with (coughs) shkolim, (coughs) pas (coughs) shkolim, which we're going to (coughs) lay in yad shem Shabbos v'arachim chidish other sheni, representing the machzisa Hashekel. But the first year is quite long, and the second year is just as long. And the second year basically, is a little longer obvious, apparently, because it's considered the majority of the Pasha, the majority of the parsha. well, actually, it's not only that, because this parsha, the second one, and third and fourth, also have a little bit more into it. Discussing the grave sin of the golden calf. Her ego. We could always focus on what's most prominent or what makes the most noise, as we say in America, or you could focus on details when you come for a nice piece of art if you're a connoisseur I mean, any which way form or fashion which I'm not so I can't tell you exactly how it works but I will imagine that a person would first take in the grandos of the whole painting the whole piece of art, sculpture, whatever it might be and then start to scrutinize the details. But when they unveil a piece of art, they don't unveil a piece at a time, give you a peek at this and a peek at that corner and this corner. They unveil it all at once, and that shows everybody wows because of what they see before them. famous story of the Rabbi Shab that he saw once he was a... An artist drew a field, stalks of wheat, and everything. It was fascinating, amazing, with birds on this and that. <coughs> it was life. It was real life. It looked real life. You looked like you want to walk through it. And everybody was just ooing and eyeing, and the was looking at it, and he says, Eh. Everybody was shocked. Eh? It is the most magnificent piece. How, how, does, how does the Rebbe say? What critique could you possibly find? And I didn't have full dialogue worked this way, but the general gist of what happened here was where the Rebbe looked at it and said, "You notice, of course." that every detail is in exact proportion here. You also feel yourself walking in that field, and you feel the breeze going through your hair. Because it looks that realistic. And the fact is, how do you know there's a breeze? Because the branches are bent over slightly, implying that there's a breeze going through the field. So, so, on these stalks are perched little birds. Little birds that are perched on those stalks don't weigh anything. They don't weigh anything. So what does it mean they don't weigh anything? Because if they weighed anything, then their stalks would be down a little further than the other stalks Parallel to them, which are only we- bending for the wind, and the bird's weight would we'll bring it down a little further. But they're not; they're all equal, exactly the same place. We're not going into the birds. We're not going into the field. We're not going into the stock suite, We're not going into. There's this nothing to do with what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the greater picture looking at the picture at an open stance, a big picture, it's beautiful, it's amazing, it's magnificent, going when you scrutinize, I and mean, you begin to dissect, <coughs> if you're <coughs> an expert, if you're a connoisseur, if you have the eye for it, you find, that's why they call the critiques, you don't necessarily criticize per se, but you find what flaw there might be within that piece of art. But Masach Masecha Hashem, HaKadosh creation has no flaws. The world in which we live in, although we have a good share of problems within the world, and unfortunately, People that are subjected to some sufferings throughout the world, or hard times, or harsher times. Some people are struggling with, with parnasa, with sustenance, with basic making a living. Then some people are struggling with other things. And then you have those that on the outside look like they have the perfect life. They have their children, they have their money, they have their children getting married, they have grandchildren, everybody has Baruch Hashem, Everybody's blessed with children. They have health. Well, it's the perfect picture. We don't need to or want to scrutinize anyone else's life. If that picture is perfect, may it be perfect, may they be blessed with the perfect picture, may it stay and remain perfect forever and ever. We don't want to criticize the ones who picture the picture is not perfect for whatever given reason they have gone through or been through. We simply want to understand. We don't need to understand. We need to believe, which is in today's Tanya. The author Rebbe explains the Emunah, the concept of Emunah, of belief in God and understanding that everything that God does is for the good, and everything that God does is for a purpose, and everything fits in symmetrically and coincides and works and jives, as we say. Everything goes in perfectly one with the other. So, as we said before, the majority part of this Parsha talks about the golden calf the sin of the golden calf so when you look at Kisisa you say to yourself what is Kisisa? Kisisa talks about Machsa Shekel and then the Cheta Eagle. where is everybody at this time? where is everyone? obviously it's still at Harsinai Meisheh went up to get the Luches. For 40 days, 40 nights, Meisheh stood there. And HaKadosh Baruch himself, with his holy finger, if you can see a finger of Hashem, we know that it's in God's hand, Yad Chazaka, this, how exactly, where exactly, we're not going to get into right now. But God Himself inscribes these luchas and they were a phenomenon of their own because if you read it when you were facing it and you turned it around you were able to read it again and the letters went through and through and yet they didn't look like a mirror on the other side they looked exactly the same on the other side the same letters when you're driving you have a, a vehicle behind you that has lettering on the front of the car you see in your mirror it's backwards it's backwards Turn around. You look at the. You read it. you straight, but you read it in your mirror. It's backwards. I'm sure you'll have those people that write on the front of the car backwards, so that when you look in your mirror, it's straight, and then they really can confuse you. But that's only just to make people mashiach. So Malaysia spent forty days and forty nights in, Shema, in Shemaim receiving the luches at which point everybody knew he went up for 40 days and 40 nights and they were counting they were counting that special day that auspicious day that he comes back down Mata. the matter. the sultan comes along and he starts to tell the Jews it's 40 days and Meisha's not here and look at this and he shows them a vision of Meisha lying on a bed Moshe has passed they even went into panic and they start going crazy on Aaron because he's Moshe's brother and he, whatever Moshe did, he did said, that's it ish Moshe's God, we need a God, a God. we need a God they're not going to get into the fact that why are they asking for a God instead of a leader because They didn't say God died, they said Meisha died and wasn't their God. But okay. Aaron then asks them go to your wives, your daughters and bring me their jewelry, their gold. What was he going to do with it? (laughs) First things first. Let's throw them off. He threw a curveball at them. Told them to go, ask the wives and the women, and they knew he knew very well that if they asked the wives and the women, and they knew very well if they asked the wives and the daughters, they would get not gold, but they'd get a Waldeholz and cup, a wooden a rolling pin, which we've said already before that that line, and that's all they're going to get from him for him. So, but they wanted something. They wanted action. They took their own jewelry, their own nose rings. They tore out of their noses, etc., etc., and they brought the gold to Aaron. Aaron doesn't say, give me the gold. He says, bring it to me. At which point they only brought it to him. So therefore, because he said that, because that was the wording he used, and that was the intentions he used, therefore he was not culpable of this sin as well. He did not involve himself with this sin. He did not say, I want to build something, I want to make something for you. He just said, bring the gold. Don't give it to me, it's not mine, it's yours still. And thereby if the Jews chose to throw it in the fire, to make a fire, it's whatever happened, then the person that threw in the plate into it, that had said, all they on it, that brought up Jesus' bones, and the story that ensues, and therefore we know that the Chet Eagle takes place. So that is the mainstay picture that we look at, when we know that afterwards, when Mesha has to come down, and has to break the luches, to which HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells him, YaShekeach, Thank you for breaking the first Lucas. Misha is faced with a dilemma. Hakash Baruch said, These Jews are worthless to me. They're, not, they're out of control. They're not what I'm looking for. I'm going to wipe them all out and I'm going to start a new nation from you, Misha. Wow. A little drastic, aren't you, God? But God saw that they were not ready, prepared to be the servants of God. Moshe, a true shepherd, a devoted and dedicated shepherd, said, God, If you do that, wipe my name out of your Torah. I don't want to be part of, I don't want it to be called Torah's Mesha. Even if it's Torah's Mesha, I don't want my name in it. I I just can't deal with this. He went very drastic. The fact that Mesha threatens God is a story for itself. The gist of which I really want to get out of is Mesha's tefillah he spent 40 days and 40 nights again davening to save the Jewish nation. Mind you, he himself, when he went down, he set, staged a war, he said, we need to kill those people that did this, that were involved in this. He was not happy with the people for doing what they did. But yet, he prayed for the Jewish nation. He told Akadosh Baruch Mika "Who's like your Jewish nation?" And we say this in Sheminesha and Shabbos Mincha. At Echad, the Mika Amcha K'Yisrael You're one. Your name is one. And who's like your Jewish, your nation? One in the land. We say this in so many different ways, forms, and fashions. How the Tamechune Aleichem to become our king we are your people we are the chosen people (inaudible) you are the chosen from all the nations we are constantly constantly repeating how we are the chosen people reminding how when you are Ben Yachid your only child, sins, slips, does something they shouldn't do, acts in a way they shouldn't, please, find forgiveness. Find forgiveness especially if they outwardly go and do tshuva. They repent in a way that's beyond the regular means if they fasted extra days if they cried in penitence if they gave tzedakah whatever they might have done unfortunately sometimes between one person and another one needs to outright ask forgiveness I've done that many times I've asked forgiveness things that I may have done We are though HaKadosh Baruch Hu's people for which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world. And therefore the person's actual mission, shall we say, is to live and believe with the motto of Anin Nevresi, the Shamishes Keni, I was created to serve my Master, and that HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he had intention, to make a dwelling here below on this world, it was because of us, with us, and within us. And therefore it is obligatory of each and every one of us to learn to, to do mitzvahs within their capacity. But to fulfill their capacity, and to do it in a way that they understand that our Father in Heaven is looking at us as His only child, and therefore, <coughs> should have compassion, and have love, and care, for each, each and every one of us. So that is, a minute part of, the Parsha, but yet so potent, yet such an important blessing to each and every one of us, how we always need to ask and pray to Hashem, and always need to understand how we are the chosen nation of which HaKadosh Baruch literally was ready to wipe out and destroy the world practically if we would not have accepted His Tera, if we did not live with the words and the dictum of the Tera. Purim Katen, we have the Shulchan Aruch as we know it, Shulchan Aruch literally translated as set table, in the Shulchan Aruch we have our ways of life, what we have to do, how we have to behave, how we have to act, what we have to, how we have to do mitzvahs, how we have to keep mitzvahs, on a daily basis. And as every book, as every sefer, there's a beginning to it and an end to it. The beginning of the Shulchan Aruch starts off with the words, excuse me, Shivisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid. Always keep God before me, always see to it and understand and remem- remember. God, God is in front of you. Then we go to the end of the book. finishes off with Purim, and in reference to Purim, Cotton says, "Tev Leiv Mishde Tomit." It's good, a good heart, good, always a, a, a steady celebration. Or meal or banquet. And it references to put him cotton. Um, put him cotton, one needs to have a beautiful meal. Then it says, but we don't really do that. However, in order to fill in the blanks, shall we say, in order to make it that everyone is united and we do everything according to it, it has to be done. Therefore, we should partake of something special on this day as well. This, therefore, being Tayvlev Mr. Tamid. So again, it finishes off with Tamid. Shavit Hashem Lenegdi Samid in the beginning, and Tevlev Mishneh Tamid at the end of Shilchan Aruch. Shnei Tamidim Kilchasam. Each day a person has to have the two Tamidim, Tamid of the morning and Tamid of the afternoon. They are sacrifices. And therefore, Shekhan begins with the word Tamid and finishes with the word Tamid. The difference, of course, being Shavisi Hashem and Samid gives us our Aveda, our service to God, through fear of God. And Tevli Tamid gives us through love of God, through joy. And therefore incorporating the two together so the question that begs to ask we have the holiday of Purim we have the holiday of Pesach someone says that the women when they hear Purim they despise the sound of the word because it means Pesach's right around the corner that was yesteryear <laughs> today when they hear Hanukkah they start getting hysterical Pesach's around the corner um and everything they do. They take their siddha, they take their tilum, they take their whatever they have and they try to see to it that it stays clean and that it stays out of comets so they can use it for Pesach. Life evolves around Pesach. <coughs> Excuse me. Purim if there's two others, isn't other Shani the second of the others? And as we know, today, yesterday, was Purim Khatan and sure Shusha Purim cotton. A small Purim. And the real Purim is in 30 days. Fast forward a few weeks. We have Pesach on the 14th day of the month of Nisan. Now, the next month in Iyar, the 14th 14th day of the month, we have Pesach Shaini, the second Pesach. So, in the regular format, we'll dissect. First of all, why is this referred to as Purim Cotton and Purim godel And this is Pesach rishon and Pesach Sheni. Either they should both be Purim rishon and Sheni, Pesach godle, Pesach Cotton. Excuse me. Either they both be called Cotton and godle, or they both be called rishon and Sheni. Why are they called Cotton God, and godle? and Rishon and Sheni. Another question, which is even more obvious, why is it that the order is different? When it comes to Pesach, Pesach is regular Pesach first, and the next month is Pesach Sheni. And why is it with Purim? First comes Purim and then comes Purim regular, Godlin. Why the reverse? We know it's brought down in the Torah. Not brought down in the Torah, but actually directions in the Torah given to us, how on the Chedesh Elishan Bowser Hades Taylor says Then the Taylor tells us a story. Of the people that were tamil and nefesh, they were impure, and they came crying to Moshe. They said, Lama gora? Why are we worse than everybody else? Everybody else was able to keep this, bring the carbon pesach, and we were not because we were not pure." And Hakadosh Baruch Hu dictates to Moshe, showing Moshe that you don't know everything. I have to tell you sometimes things. Also, you have to keep asking, and dictates to Moshe the laws of Pesach Shemi. Therefore we know that Pesach and Pesach Sheni are dictates from the Torah itself. Whereas Purim is only from the, the Sages. And since Pesach itself is written in the Torah on the 14th of Nisan... Therefore, that is the, the Yamta of Pesach. And the reason of Pesach Shani is because of the Nigara, because the people asked why are we worse. And therefore, in order to appease them, they were given another Yamta for Pesach Shani where they could bring the cat and sacrifice. And the lesson being, as we all know, is Kem and It's never too late, it's never lost. We can always make up for things that we missed in the past. We can always fulfill, we can always fill in blanks, we can always repent for things that we have done, we always find ourselves another channel in which we can connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Purim, in turn, is not mentioned in the tale, as we said, it's in Rabbanan. it's from the sages. And therefore, the Chacham established that Purim is in Chaydesh Adr, the 14th day of the month of Adr. On the occasion that there, is an other, there are other Shaini, it's only called other sheni because there's an extra other added, and since the extra other added is not called other Yisran extra other, it's called other rishon because it's the first of the two others. But still, in all, Purim is on the regular other, which is which is other sheni. A person is born in a regular year. They consider their birthday on the second other. The person same some say differently with the yard site, but some people keep both yard sites, both others. Many, many different opinions. The fact is though that the reason for the other say other other added other is in order that we should be able to synchronize with the calendar, the solar calendar, the lunar solar calendar. And therefore an other a full month was added so that we don't have Pesach in the middle of the winter. Because Pesach is supposed to be, Chagav is supposed to be in the spring. That said, that Purim is with Rabbanon and Pesach mid we have the four Pashyas: Pashashashkolom, Pashashizacher, Parah, and Chaydish. These are four Pashyas that are read between. Rishchidosh Other and Rishchidosh Nisan. On Rishchidosh Adr, we've said this, taught this many times, Rishchidosh Other or Shabbos of Archem Adr, we read the extra parsha, parasha's column, which we read today, Kisisa, for the up till Kapalav Shiseichem. The following Shabbos could have a no Shabbos, no extra sefetera, sometimes. And sometimes it has an extra sefer because it's the Shabbos before Purim, which thereby would make it Pashas Zocher. So Zocher is the Shabbos before Purim, not Shabbos after Shkolim. This is so confusing as a Machayah. Just write it down, you'll see it's very simple. The next of the four Pashas is Para. Para is contingent with Chaydish. Unlike Zacher and Shkolim, which have nothing to do with one another, Para and Chedesh are congruent, in that Para is the Shabbos before Chedesh. What's Chedesh? Chedesh is either Shabbos and Varachim or Shabbos and Chedesh Nisan, and Para is the Shabbos before that. So now, if we were to take so they ultimately have to be within five weeks, and they all have, in that way, a connection. They're known as the Dalit Parshis. However, if we were to make Purim in Adarishin and Pesach in Ear, this just would not jive. <laughs> There'd be eight weeks between the Parshis. So one of the, of the simple basis of reasoning to keep the Dal Pashis in sync, as we say, we therefore make uh, put him cotton before and put him in regular other so that it goes together with the Dal Pashis. Put him cotton as you say by a bris cotton this cotton will become great. And therefore, when we look at Purim cotton, which is ultimately really, really had no significance in essence, and we say cotton this small little Purim will become a very big great Purim of the next month. But still Purim cotton has tremendous ramifications, and therefore it's said in Shilghanarach when it discusses the, the alakas of Purim, it finishes off with Tevlev Mishneh Tamid, referring to Purim cotton. Thereby telling us the greatness of Purim cotton, as little as we think it is, by considering calling, calling it cotton. Yet the greatness that it, it ca- carries, the greatness that it bears, and therefore we do need to celebrate somewhat in Purim cotton, and see to it that we prepare ourselves properly for the Purim Godal. turning your focus back to Pashtun Kisissa, HaKadosh Baruch Hu tells Meshe about a mach shekel. And in case you don't know what it looks like, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, ZE always means pointing with a finger. Rashi says, Heralei, he showed him a coin of fire and said like this is how you should give and if we had coins of fire our pants would be on fire generally we look at coins the gold, silver, copper, whatever they might be we don't look at fire coins, Why fire When something becomes impure, there are two ways of purifying it. One is immersing in water, and the water purifies the impure, but it doesn't change the essence of the item. That same item, vessel, whatever it might be, gets immersed in water and it takes back out again it just the only difference is it's wet now before it was dry you dry it off and it looks just like the vessel looked before it went in another way is to put it into fire and it needs to be reburnt it needs to be torched or, or just heated up or whatever it might be this an often time will now alter the way the vessel looks. Shape, whatever it might be. Because that's what fire tends to do. The same when it comes to forgiveness for a sin. There's the khapir on laf shei to forgive for your soul. And this kapar is done through sacrifices, through karbanes, which... Forgive is for the soul and therefore a sacrifice could be a chicken by kaparas, or any animal that is brought to the Vesamikdash where the person, the owners, put their hands on the head of the animal and they say vidui, they say confession and they say all their sins and ask forgiveness. Kapara through the the, the, the kapara. Through sacrifices, takes away the tuma from the person, the tuma of the sin that caused the, that impurified the person. The second way is kefir <laughs> nafshi a kapara that does not take away the sin itself; it redeems the soul and it makes the soul like a new, total new entity thereby totally obliterating the previous sin. And therefore, Khaj Baruch at this point shows him a coin of fire to imply, to hint, that in order to forgive on the sin of the eagle, there needs to be a khapara from the second fashion, which changes the entire essence of the soul. And this is done through Machza shekel, and therefore he shows the Shekel is a Machza Shekel, a flame of fire, telling them how we have to burn out, and we have to see to it, that we totally change the essence of the person and of the Metzius, and eradicate entirely the sin. question becomes comes though he also shows him not a full shekel but only a machzase shekel only a half a shekel what's only the half for? there are two major lessons in our life that we learn from this machzase shekel First of all, we need to know Yisrael the Shebrichu Kula Chat. The Jews and Hakadosh Baruch Hu are all one. And the Mitzuch Magid explains that Yisrael, the Jews and Hakadosh Baruch Hu, are two halves. The two halves of a picture. Each one is not whole. Is not a whole thing. Is not a complete. therefore, each one is his own entity does not complete a full cycle. Only together, they become one. And therefore, they were commanded to give machzis <laughs> ha-shekel, a half. The person should know that he's only half. Only when is he become complete and whole when he, involved, when he connects with HaKadosh Baruch Another thing, each and every Jew has to know and feel. Not only is he half, but if he when connects and attaches with his friend and is in the midst of the after the reacha love your fellow Jew, then he becomes as yourself, then he becomes a complete entity. And in essence, these two explanations intertwine one with the other. The true love between a Jew and his friend comes through feelings that ties and unites with HaKadosh Baruch. As it's explained, the Tirab explains in Tanya, Aves Yisrael is because their souls are totally connected the roots of their souls have a true connection forged in a way that they don't even understand or imagine and this soul also is connected to Hashem Echad and since each, since each and every one is tied and bound their soul with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that making them one therefore it's befitting to say Av Echad L'Kulana there's one father to all of us and we're called brothers, sisters and we find that we feel by each Jew that they are bound with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and both together make one full picture then we can ultimately feel the bind and the ava of each Jew one to another. Thereby taking the unconditional love, where a person doesn't understand the source for it, doesn't understand how it comes about, doesn't understand what keeps it, what is making it happen, and you trace it back to God. Because the nishama of the other person is searching for God, although the education did not come that way, they were not raised that way, and suddenly they find themselves searching for God for the last seven, eight years, nine years of their life all of a sudden, and they're searching for God, and they're looking for what Torah is, and what mitzvahs are, and how we serve God, and how do I connect to God. And they don't even understand themselves what drove them to do that. But this very search, this very connection, which they are trying to involve themselves, which they are trying to put themselves into, which they are trying to find themselves with, that very search is exactly what they what binds them to a fellow Jew. And binds them in a way that they don't understand even, and they can't comprehend, and they can't grasp. Because it was a total foreign entity to them. A total foreign entity, and yet they take to it like a fish to water. And not only they take to it like a fish to water, the it takes to them and takes to them like a magnet to metal, to steel. And they forge this bond. They forge this connection which is totally incomprehensible. Because looking at it from the outside they find themselves as total polar opposites. But yet because they are both connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the common denominator between them And the soul of one is so great, so pure, so strong, that it now is looking for that connection. And as Mm the Melech says, Like the isle that's searching, thirst, so too I thirst for you, God. And therefore that soul Simply can't satisfy itself. Can't be sated. And needs to find. But it no longer has. It no longer has words. It no longer has expression to find and to look and to reach out and to say how can I find the peace? Where is the peace? How will I connect to my peace? And they simply sit down and they just say, help. And the help is to, that message is to a Rebbe, who is our Moshe of our generation, and our direct liaison to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, the liaison takes the person, takes the Neshama by the hand and says, here, you're connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. that's what you're looking for. And sends another Neshama to see to it that that Neshama is showered and totally enveloped with unconditional love in such a way and form a fashion that they just simply need to try to figure out how to receive within their capacity. And by, by connecting and by forging that connection, they are taken literally by the hand out of golos, out of darkness, out of their own personal golos, their own private darkness, and they're taken and led to a place where they need to be, to a place where Khalish Baruch Hu has, finds their peace, their tranquility, their happiness, their joy, so that they can settle their own lives. They could marry, and they could have, barachayim, zayin ravicha, chul ravicha, husbands, a husband or a wife, soulmate, and with children, and with children's children, and parnasa, and health, and happiness, peace of mind, and tranquility. As we said before, Mesha took the luches when he saw what was going on. And he threw the Luchas from his hands. It tells us, he threw them down literally. But he didn't throw them personally because the fact was that Mesh was not able to carry the Luchas. They were extremely, extremely heavy. And the Medish tells us they were on wings. When he had his hands underneath, as a Symb- symbolically showing that he's carrying them. However, when he saw what was going on with the eagle, he got so weak, he took away his hands, and the Lucas fell to the ground and broke. There are times, says the the if you keep score at home, Tes, Omre Shlokish Pomim Shebitula Shoteta Zoe Seda, the Siva Shershi Barta, Yasha Shibarta. There are times where the nullification of Teda is the foundation of a better start of Teda. As it says, Yasha Kehacha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu thanks God, thanks Mesha for breaking them. Now, it's a little awkward. Since the intention was good, HaKadosh Baruch Hu agreed with Mesha to break the Lukas. But why does the nullification and destruction, demolishing, this is the actual foundation of Kiyamah What is the possible upgrade after breaking the actual Luchas? Sifra Chasidis explained one of the differences between Taylor Shabbiksav and Taylor the written law and the oral law. The Taylor Sav was given to us with boundaries and exact. Measurements for each word, no more no less, and the oral law, Aruchim its midah, Rachovam totally broadened, and therefore it came and it involves through us through Chachmasay, the Isparich, the never the never ending Chachma of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. and just like a person has their restrictions, their boundaries in which they have to keep and they can only understand a certain amount they need to, in order to get to the next stage they need to simply have self-nullification to grasp that there's something above them in their Chachma we say in Davani My soul is as dust should be. Open my heart for your terah. Only through the fact that a person can bring themselves down to consider themselves as dust when it comes to the holiness of God, only then can they ask that their heart be opened for terah. then they can understand and they can grasp the Torah at its whole different level. A Torah is given to us only in the second Lucas. As I'll tell us, <laughs> don't feel bad about the first Lucas. The second Lucas. they only have the Ten Commandments, whereas the second Lucas have, I'm giving you Medesh and this." Kephulayim double for salvation here. And therefore, the Jews can now accept Tere Shabalpeh, which is the Chachmasa, the without any boundaries. And Mesha had to ultimately see to it, to find the nullification of the Matthias of the Jews the way they were before. And this was done through the breaking of the Lucas before their very eyes. And this caused a break in and a self nullification of the Jews egotistically, etc. And through this they can be Mekabul, the Teda Shabed, Lucas as we find Bitula Shal Tedah Zo by being nullifying the Tah. This makes the foundation of the future Tata and the Tahesha. May we hear we Zaycha teira Khadosha Miiti Teitse to hear the new words of Teta brought to us by Mashiach Zitkenu, Vimheira Viamenu Mamish, Begula, Mitis Vashlema, Ide Mashiach Zitkenu, Bekan of Mamish, 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 Omen Kay Yirozin, and this very Shabbos to be reading Pashis Kisisa in Yir Shalai Mirakedish in the Besavita Shashdishi, Shabbos to all.